0: presenting this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. Allergy season is in full swing. From asthma to food allergies, ReachMD is keeping you up to date with the latest in allergy medicine. Can treating with an antifungal agent help asthma even without evidence of an infection? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. Joining us to discuss antifungals for asthma is Dr. John Hefner. Dr. Hefner is professor of medicine at the Oregon Health and Science University in Portland, Oregon, and is a past president of the American Thoracic Society. Thank you, Dr. Hefner, for joining us. My pleasure. Can we begin by just a general comment on the study from England on the use of itracanazole in asthma?
1: I would be glad to. These investigators recognize that there appears to be sensitization to various fungal organisms by some patients who have asthma. And it is a question whether these organisms may incite the asthma to make it worse. And we know that's the case with one particular fungus called aspergillosis. And these patients develop a disorder wherein they develop antibodies against that fungus that triggers worsening uh, wheezing. And we do know through the work of these investigators that other fungal species have elicitation of an antibody response in other patients with asthma, but there's been a question whether these fungi also induce worse asthma and wheezing in this patient population. So these investigators sought to identify a group of patients who had severe asthma and then to treat them with either an antifungal drug or a placebo agent and monitor their subsequent clinical
0: course. How was this study actually constructed?
1: Well, they identified patients with severe asthma as characterized by the severity of their clinical symptoms, and also patients who had skin or blood test evidence of sensitization to one or more of seven fungus species, and they enrolled these patients into the study. And they had a specific effort to exclude patients who had sensitization to aspergillus, because, again, we know that that fungus can cause worsening asthma. And then they randomized their patients to receive either the antifungal drug called itraconazole or placebo and monitored them for eight months while they got therapy and then an additional four months after the itraconazole or the placebo were discontinued. And the primary measure for the study was the results of a patient questionnaire that assesses quality of life with secondary endpoints that measured the severity of rhinitis symptoms, blood-allergic antibody tests, and respiratory function, noting also any exacerbations of their asthma that required medical care.
0: Was there any evidence of fungal infection in any of these patients, or was it based on skin testing?
1: Most of the patients had evidence of sensitization to fungal agents through the skin testing or the blood testing, but during the study, Some patients did have isolation of fungus from respiratory secretions, but those patients were fairly balanced on both sides of the study arms, and also only a minority of patients had fungal species identified.
0: It puzzles me because in our clinical practice, so many patients are sensitized to fungus to begin with without infections. So does this test or this group that we would possibly treat include maybe 50% of our patients with asthma?
1: Well, again, these investigators only studied patients who had severe asthma, the most worst form of asthma, and they identified those patients who did have the sensitization, and we don't know if that sensitization resulted from past exposure to fungal agents that perpetuated an antibody response, or whether these patients harbored a fungal species through colonization, meaning that the fungal species were somewhere in their airways, but not necessarily invading tissue which would be a fungal infection.
0: You mean if they had funguses in their nose, gut, or skin, might make a difference as far as how their asthma responded? That
1: would be some of the additional questions that we would have in the future, is what type of exposure the patients had, and whether that is associated with a different antibody response and a different clinical course of their asthma.
0: Does it suggest that patients who have skin sensitivity to fungus should be desensitized? Are we missing an opportunity to help some of these people with severe asthma?
1: Those are some of the major questions is that we know that there is an association between sensitization to fungal species and patients who have severe asthma. But the main question is, what do we do about that? How do you select patients who are most likely to respond to therapy? And what form of therapy is the most effective? These investigators used an antifungal drug that would actually kill fungi in the body it is warranted to consider there could be some other approaches through desensitization. But to date, that form of therapy hasn't been quite as effective as we would hope to improve the asthma symptoms in those patients who have sensitization to fungi.
0: I noticed in their study that there seemed to be a large dropout among the patients who were using the drug itself. Does this suggest that even if this drug proved to be helpful, that we would have difficulty with adherence to staying on it?
1: Well, adherence is always a problem for patients with chronic disease. And there were indeed 17 dropouts in the study. But 11 of these were in the itraconazole group and 6 of them were in the control group. And this dropout rate is fairly similar to the dropout rate for other medications in most studies of patients with severe asthma.
0: We're beginning to divide people with asthma into early onset and late onset. I couldn't tell from the study what group this represented.
1: It is somewhat unclear from the study regarding the past history of the patients with asthma or how long they had asthma. But we do know that they, over their recent course, had had severe asthma, were dependent on some of our most important medications, including inhaled and oral corticosteroids for most of them. So at least their recent clinical course was marked by a severe form of the disease.
0: Certainly among pediatric practice, a significant amount... Of children have asthma. It's a real problem in the United States. Can you envision this drug being used in your pediatric practice as well?
1: We do need these questions addressed in pediatric age patients. So many of the asthma trials have excluded kids because of the concern for toxicity of new agents for children. But in the future, we're trying to emphasize that clinical trials should include pediatric patients. So we don't make assumptions based on adult studies for benefit or harm for younger patients. But from the pathophysiologic construct, or what we understand as the biologic explanation for the response, we would think that a similar approach would assist patients who are in younger age groups who have severe asthma who similarly have sensitization to fungi.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me to discuss antifungals for asthma is Dr. John Hefner, professor of medicine at the Oregon Health and Science University at Portland, Oregon. To get back to this, we all deal in our practice with chronic asthma, and some of these patients are very, very difficult to treat. Would you offer a patient in your practice with chronic asthma who's not doing well, having multiple relapses, the opportunity to go on antifungal agents based on the evidence that we've been discussing.
1: I would approach patients who have received maximal therapy for their asthma but yet still have a poor quality of life and frequent asthma exacerbations an opportunity to be evaluated for fungal infection. I would first and foremost look for colonization with Aspergillus species because we have the understanding that this does play a role in worsening asthma. But I think that the data is too premature at this point to screen patients with asthma for sensitization to other fungal agents and then initiate treatment such as itraconazole. We just simply need more research with the larger patient populations.
0: So you wouldn't necessarily treat them because if you did treat them, it would certainly be with an off-label use of this particular drug based on what we're talking about today.
1: It indeed would be off-label. The FDA has not approved itraconazole for this particular indication. And further, itraconazole does have toxicity and that we monitor a patient's liver function over time, usually on a monthly basis, to be sure there's not toxicity. And also, there's an expense of the drug. And we only have an experience for the duration of this study that went on for eight months. And it appeared that uh, the patient's asthma worsened again in the weeks after discontinuing itraconazole. So it's quite an investment to consider long-term, perhaps over several years of therapy for this patient population. So I would therefore wait for further data.
0: We're always concerned that people are going to have candidiasis when they're using steroid inhalers. We're telling them to wash their mouth out and often tell them to use a valve-holding chamber. Do you think that using steroids, inhalers, as I'm sure almost all patients with chronic asthma are now using, has anything to do with this fungal infection or sensitivity that we're talking about?
1: There is a concern about patients who do take inhaled corticosteroids of harboring candida species in their throat, and one could theorize that such patients might be at increased risk of developing sensitization, but to date, we know that inhaled corticosteroids are the most beneficial form of therapy for our patients with asthma, and the risk-benefit versus the concern of initiating fungal sensitization, I think, is really weighted towards the side of benefit. And also we know that many patients who have developed aspergillus colonization with worsening asthma have not been on any corticosteroids. So this patient population is at risk for colonization by fungal ailments, even if they're
0: not on inhaled corticosteroids. In a general way, we see an increasing incidence of asthma in the United States and I'm sure probably in England but we're beginning to see possibly less exacerbations or certainly less emergency room visits. How do you think we're really doing in our treatment in a general way of asthma?
1: Well, as you... Imply that in the past years we've had an epidemic of asthma deaths, and that had galvanized the world to develop clinical practice guidelines and promote their implementation. And we're seeing greater adherence nationally to the stepwise aggressive management of patients with asthma, which I think has prevented some of the asthma deaths and exacerbations that drive emergency room visits and hospitalizations. So as strong guideline recommendations for aggressive stepwise care has penetrated primary care practices, we're seeing more patients who are receiving inhaled corticosteroids and aggressive therapy when their asthma comes out of control.
0: In patients like this, do you think that there might be a use for something like anti-IgE monoclonal antibodies?
1: Certainly, we do consider it in exactly this patient population. That is, those patients who have severe asthma who don't experience adequate control despite taking inhaled corticosteroids, courses of oral corticosteroids, and other therapy. So, it is indeed this group of patients that uh, might benefit from the anti IgE monoclonal antibodies that we use in clinical practice. We don't know, though, whether this patient population with a specific sensitization to the variety of moles that were detected in this study would benefit more than other patients with other types of sensitization, such as to animal dander or cockroaches or other such proteins.
0: In this population, is there a difference in their responsiveness to the tried and true beta agonists and inhaled corticosteroids?
1: There is emerging a concept that severe asthma may be somewhat different than run-of-the-mill asthma, that these patients may not respond as adequately to inhaled beta-agonist therapy, which is one of the cornerstones of therapy for patients with asthma, and that they have a different receptor site for these drugs in their airways, so they simply do not respond. And also they have other characteristic features that profile them as being possibly a different patient population than run-of-the-mill asthma.
0: We're just beginning to see some investigators talking about tumor necrotic factor inhibitors. Do you see in the long run any hope for this type of modality in the treatment of chronic asthma?
1: I think that as we do more research and dissect our way down to the fundamental chemical reactions of the body that seem to trigger the dominoes that then cascade to cause clinical asthma, we will be better at very surgically focusing medications on these early pathophysiologic steps. Right now, it's difficult to know whether any specific drug that blocks one of these early steps will be providing overarching benefit, and it may be that we'll have to use multiple drugs for multiple initial steps that sort of converge to cause what we diagnose as
0: clinical asthma. We're very concerned about the underserved part of our population. Is there something more we can be doing about the treatment of asthma and where they get help?
1: It's very important to recognize that asthma is a chronic disease. We have no cure for it. And children who have uncontrolled asthma utilize health care services to a great degree. So the expense to society of not treating asthma aggressively is worse than a preventive therapy. So it's very important to uh, promote access to services for this patient population you describe, and be certain that no child with asthma is uh, restricted from having the guideline-directed best clinical therapy that will control their disease, improve their quality of life, and allow them to grow to be productive
0: uh, members of society. Well, today we've been talking about a possible new answer in the treatment of chronic asthma. But as all of us who treat asthmatic patients know that we're a long way from a perfect solution and we'll continue to investigate in this area. I would like to thank Dr. John Hefner, who's been our guest today discussing possible use of antifungal agents in asthma. Dr. Hefner is a professor at the Oregon Health and Science University and also the past president of the American Thoracic Society. Thank you very much for joining us. And thank you. And I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at reachmd.com. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at reachmd.com.